This is Renee Vidor, and you're listening to the Relationship and Revenue Show with John Hewlin. This is Relationships and Revenue, the show where real answers come from real discussions about what holds men back in their relationships at home and in business. A better bottom line at work means improving life at home. This show is all about helping you become a better entrepreneur and a better man. Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue Show. I am your host, John Hewlin. Thrilled you decided to spend some time with us today. I have a special guest for you, Renee Vidor. Renee, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me here. Oh, so glad to have you here, and thank you for being here. Now, listeners, I want you to know a little bit about Renee before we get into why we're having her on the show. So Renee is the author of the newly released Measuring Up, How to Win in a World of Comparison. Now, before you decide to write that down, you don't have to. First of all, it will be in the show notes. And second of all, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that today. But in addition to that, Renee is also a speaker, a coach, an entrepreneur, but she has two other titles. My suspicion is that she holds these most dear, and those are wife and mom. Absolutely. I'd have to say you have to be who you're created to be. And many times, those are the things that are right in front of you that we often forget. Absolutely. That's right. So, Renee, now that we've said a little bit about who you are, uh, if you wouldn't mind, take us back. Kind of give us a bird's eye view of you kind of where you started and how you got to where you are today. Sure, let's go back. I am a born and raised Ohio native. So I live in the state of Ohio. I went to the Ohio State University, studied psychology to give you a little bit of the background there. But I loved watching people. I loved learning. I love all of, all of that aspect. But I didn't love the idea of moving forward in the profession of psychology. So what did I do? I got married and had kids. <laughs> <laughs> so I was 21, just to give you a background and had our first child. And I, from that point on, knew that I haven't had an entrepreneur spirit and I didn't want to put my kids in daycare. Didn't have to, thankfully, and have been able to work my, my way through. I did multi-level marketing for a short period of time, which helped me to learn a lot of you know techniques and learn about people and leadership training and whatnot. And I also, that was a preparation. I was also able to start my own business, which has been in progression of what I'm doing now. I, I work in a business with my husband as well. We have our own, we're both entrepreneurs. We have our own rental property management company and we enjoy doing that together sometimes. We love it together. Don't necessarily love the business sometimes, but that's okay, right? I get that. <laughs> <laughs> so now I enjoy, of course, I had this book that just came out and that's not the end product. That is just a product. It's something that allows me to let people see how they can measure up in a world of comparison. Because part of my story is that I was a comparaholic and I was struggling with that. It kept me at bay. It kept me shackled for so long. And now that I'm free from that, I'm grateful to be able to speak, coach others. And also I began a community called the Winner Circle. And that's something that's been just so rewarding in the last couple of months since 
since it began. So that's just a real quick breeze through my life. And I'm a very open book. Okay. Um, before we get to the book, you mentioned the group. Tell us a little bit more about that. Absolutely. Yeah. The winner circle is a group that is a subscription. So it's a monthly The person does not have to be um, connected forever or anything like that, but it is a resource. It provides tools, coaching, faith-based life coaching is included as well. And so while a person doesn't have to be of a certain faith, it does come from a Christian faith standpoint. And there's five different areas that are necessary for a person to be able to win at life. And when I realized this, yes, we need to get rid of comparing ourselves to others, but it's deeper than that. There's more than just that, obviously. So one, we have to discover who we are. Mm -hmm. We also need to have to have a growth mindset. So people who are, are looking for this group and who are in this group have these things. It's also imperative to invest in yourself. And John, I know you do a lot of that and you help others do that. So you're well aware of how important that is. We also need to engage in community and a safe community, a place where we're able to be who we're created to be so that we can practice doing what we're designed to do and then go out and impact others in the world that way. So it comes with a community built in that has been just amazing. I'm just so excited. And last, we need to serve. We need to use our gifts and we need to be able to do that in a place that allows us to and encourages us to. So those five aspects come along with this winner circle and it's kind of the core mission of it. Love that. Love what you're doing there with that community. Uh, listeners, uh, one of the things I want to emphasize about what Renee just said was the last thing. And she talked about serve. I want to echo that and how important that is to serve because many times, I don't know if you are like me, but years ago, I was so into the acquisition of knowledge, but I didn't do anything with it. That's where the transfer comes from knowledge to wisdom is by putting that knowledge into action. And if you don't do that, what you essentially become is you become this is the nice way of saying it. You become a sponge that is full of water. You can't absorb anything else at that point and you're actually useless for what your purpose is. Your purpose is to absorb water and then be wrung out, i.e. you're serving, so that you're prepared and ready to acquire more. That's just an aside to everybody. It's just something kind of hit me. That's a, really, that's a really good point. And I do, I've seen that. I've seen professional learners. And unfortunately, that is just like you said, it's just a over, over wet sponge that unfortunately is selfish and we don't intend for it. We think we're doing a great thing by learning, 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 right. but a growth mindset is one that isn't just learning, but we're growing. And like you said, we're growing into that wisdom and we need to have truth tellers around us and people that are going to be, again, safe people, those that care about us, those that are on the same like-minded track. They may be a few steps ahead. They may be a few steps behind, but we all can learn from one another. Okay. And that's where I found that it's so imperative that we have all of those things together in order to win at life. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's jump into the book. Yes. All right. So, you know, this whole idea of comparison, uh, you mentioned something that was something you struggled with. Uh, that's something that I had struggled with in the mm -hmm. past. Um, and if I'm being honest, there are still times that that happens, that I deal with that. And not nearly to the extent that it was. Um, 
And it also makes me think a lot about our kids right mm -hmm. now and how different life is for them, just whatever is considered normal, how much more opportunities don't even sound like the right word. They're, I'll say they're bombarded with this idea of comparison or saying how I'm constantly reminded of how I'm not like this. Mm -hmm. And this is supposed to be what's the right thing to be or the right kind of person to be or the right clothes to wear or whatever it happens to be. Um, you know, when I was growing up, you know, it was, there would be like commercials on TV and maybe you'd see some magazines and things like that. But now, I mean, kids are walking around and they have it in their hands all the time. They're constantly seeing that. And it's not like I don't as an adult now, but it's not exactly the same because I'm a little more sure of who I am and what direction I'm headed. And, you know, I've learned over the years that, you know, if I don't like and love me, then first of all, nobody else will. And second of all, as long as I'm okay with me, you don't have to be okay with me. <laughs> and I'm all right with that. <laughs> oh, I agree. I completely agree. And there is a difference between teenagers, children, adults in this process. Mm. When I did the research okay. and I'll say I have a 13 year old girl and a 15 okay. year old boy. And I've noticed with my girl, she's part of the reason that I even wrote this book. Mm. She was in fifth grade when I was approached with the opportunity to, and I just remember her coming home from school and saying, something along the lines of this girl thinks she's so cool because she has braids that always look nice. And she's so this and that, and she thinks she's this and that. And I was like, honey, does, does she ever tell you that she thinks these things about herself? Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, she, no, that's just how she is. That's what she thinks. <laughs> I'm like, Ooh. So I think when I look at it in regards to my book, I don't truly believe that this process that I've been given is something that works great when it comes to young children or teenagers. Okay. And the reason behind that is because we as adults have the ability to have rational thinking. We have that growth minded mindset abilities. We don't all have it, but we all have the capabilities because our prefrontal cortex is working properly and it is more formed and whatnot. <laughs> but here's what's really key. You're mentioning how important it is because kids have this in their face on staff. I mean, social media, they have their phones, they have right now, unfortunately, less friends because, you know, Ugh. COVID has been interesting with school and all of that, right. but they still have access to have it right in front of them. So comparison is a big deal. Who are they looking at in order to learn? My guess is it's their parents, it's their adult friends, it's their teachers. So as adults, we have a responsibility to learn how to take control over comparison so that we can use it to our benefit instead of our detriment. And then the next generation and those to come, it's going to be a ripple effect. So whether or not I feel like I can actually teach and train, you know, teens or children right now, I don't, and maybe there is more to it that longevity will show, but we have a responsibility to learn this message and apply it in our lives so that they will then see it and it will start to be ingrained in them. Absolutely. And for those of you listeners who may not have your own children, so you feel like, well, now it's not my responsibility because I don't have my own kids. 
Nothing could be further from the truth because I can promise you there are children, there are teenagers watching you. You have influence in some form or fashion in people who are younger than you. So the responsibility is still on you. So good. So true. All right. So let me ask the big question, the why question. Renee, why is this even happening? What, why are we having to even deal with this? Why would there be such a demand for this idea of comparison that would cause you to need to write the book? That's a great question, John. And I don't know if I've ever been asked it exactly like that. I've been asked, why did I write the book? But why do we even have the need? The truth is comparison is ingrained. It's in our DNA. It is something that if you're a person of faith, then just know that even in the Garden of Eden, Eve was comparing herself to God and said, oh yeah, I want to be like God. And that's why she even ate the silly apple or whatever it was. But if you're not a person of faith, look back and realize that through all of the historical writings, you're going to find comparison. You're going to find even through the Greek mythology and whatnot, they're comparing their power. They're comparing who they are and trying to find their greatness based off of the value and worth that they perceive from somebody else or another uh, dignity or deity or whatever. So when it comes down to it, it has been in our DNA forever. So it's no, it's no weird question to say, Oh, well, obviously why am I dealing with it now? Well, it's part of me. So what I found and why this is so important is if it's part of us, you know, and some people believe in evolution and say, well, then we should, we should be better off because of it. Well, the truth is it was given to us because it is good. It can be used for good, but we need to learn how to use it to our benefit instead of our detriment. And that's the big why that's why this is so important is because it's not about stopping comparison. You can read books about it just like I did all day long, trying to stop. (laughs) And we would have no more books about it if that would work and it doesn't work. So what do we need to do? We need to learn how to take control over it so that when it does occur in our lives, that we're using it in a good way and not in a way that's going to degrade ourselves or other people. Okay. Well, obviously I have to ask now. All right. So if it's not really possible for us to eliminate comparison from our lives, how do we take this thing that has been so had such a negative influence Mm -hmm. in our lives and turn it around for something positive? How do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. That is actually the win method. And while I will tell you that I did not know when I was asked to write this book about comparison, I didn't know the actual answer or the method. I just knew that I had gone from point A where I literally could not go out of my house without makeup on because I felt like less than I did not feel like I could be anything special. I didn't feel like I had the like, honestly, I was a wreck. I was a total wreck in so many different ways. And yet now I knew that I had come to a point, a process of some sort where I am just happy and free to be who I'm created to be. Like I can come on here and just be who I am. And I don't have to worry about, like you said earlier, if other people don't like me, that's okay. I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm. However, what is that point A to point B? And that's what writing measuring up ended up helping me figure out. It was an actual acronym that stands for win W I N. Mm -hmm. So how do we use comparison to our benefit? We're going to first weigh the cost. We all compare. 
So we need to figure out when we're comparing in this certain area, figure out what kind of comparison is. Typically it's going to be either comparing our appearances, our assets, some kind of material things or relationships, or, you know, those are all assets. Our health, that's an asset. So some are tangible, some are intangible, or it's going to be our achievements, you know, like our status. And I mean, as men, what's the first thing you say in business when you meet someone? What do you do? Oh, you got it. Yeah, exactly. It's just natural, right? That's, it is, yeah. And immediately it's like, oh, what do you do? Well, I'm a lawyer. Oh, well, I work at Taco Bell. You know, like regardless, we've got this comparison going on. So we need to weigh the cost of that. What's it going to do when I compare right then? Is it going to take me in a positive direction or a negative direction? And if I know that comparison is going to take a hold of my wheel and drive me into a ditch, then I need to stay in control of my wheel. I need to figure out how to do that. So we find that, yes, I need to win over comparison. So go from the W weighing our cost to the I, we need to innovate our identity. Okay. And you talked a little bit about this. This may be something that unknowingly you've done, but innovating our identity is taking the things about ourselves that we know we were created for and that were part of us and actually using them actually embracing them and make that list, make that, that identity. And then there are things that we've attached to us that, eh, guess what? They were put on us by someone else. They're their labels there. It might even be something good like, Oh, you're beautiful. Or, Oh, you're, you're such a great breadwinner or, you know, these things that we've attached and we're like, attaboy, you know, mm-hmm. but in reality, that's not who we are. That could be taken off at any point in time. And what happens then? It, who are we then? Right. Right. So we need to strip away the things that don't belong, add on the things that do belong and embrace them and see who we really are and innovate that identity to be who we're created to be. So that is a process. And once we know who we are, that is going to be our measuring stick. That is who we measure up to from now on. It's no longer another podcaster. It's no longer another person, business owner, or that fitness trainer on Instagram. Mm -hmm. It's going to be, I'm measuring up to my own innovative identity, but guess what? That in and of itself, you can say it, but you have to still and navigate your journey (laughs) because you can just go in life and say, yeah, I'm going to measure up to who I'm created to be, but you need to watch out for the potholes along the way. Mm. And some of those potholes are like you mentioned, social media or the phone in our hands. We might need to actually unfollow some people. We may need to work on certain areas and say, right now, this is not an area that I'm going to go. I'm going to navigate around that. And someday I may be fine to go there, but right now I'm not. So that is the process of win. And that right there has helped me realize how I'm able to take control over comparison and use it to my benefit instead of ever allowing it to have control over me and just ringing me dry. Excellent. Wow. I love that. I love that acronym, that win, that weighing things out, innovating, and then navigating. Uh, something that came to mind as you were talking, especially in the innovating portion. Mm-hmm. Let's say somebody hears you talk on this. They listen to this show and they come back because we're going to give folks an opportunity to find ways to connect with you before we're done. Uh, in fact, let's stop. Let's do that right now. If somebody's hearing you, it's like, 
Renee is awesome. I have got to get in touch with her. How can people do that? Hey, well, thanks, by the way, if you're thinking that, because I think you're awesome too, because we're all people who are winning at life. <laughs> uh, you can connect with me on Facebook, Renee Vidor. You can also connect with me at my website. It's ReneeVidor.com, V-I-D-O-R. And if you're interested in more about the life winner and the winning at life community, that would be at BeAlifeWinner.com. Okay. Listeners, we'll make sure that all those are in the show notes. So especially if you're driving, please don't try to write that down. We'll no. make it available for you. Back to this idea of innovating. So I, we've got this person who is just like, oh, Renee is awesome. I love what you're saying, Renee. I can get through the W part, but when you got to the I, I don't know who I was created to be. Mm -hmm. I just, I have been someone else's version of who I'm supposed to be my entire life. And it has changed so many times. I don't have a clue. Mm -hmm. What do you say to that person? I'd say, I get it. That was me. That was exactly where I was. And how did I get through that might even be a question that you might be wondering. And for myself, I ended up going through some time periods where I lost myself and I really had no idea what to do. I was a young mom, had two little kids married. My husband worked a lot and I was running a, a small business and r running one with him. And it was just like, gosh, what am I even here to do? Why? Yes, I know I have kids and I love them dearly, but I feel like there's something more and I felt guilty for feeling that way. Right. And some other people may be there. If you feel guilty for even feeling like, oh, there must be more to life or why is my family or my kids not meeting my needs or why isn't my business or my partner not meeting my needs? Well, that gives us key to know that guess what we are not we're not truly being who we're created to be we're looking to others to fulfill that right. so for myself I ended up going through counseling mm -hmm. and I write a little bit about this and measuring up and some of the neat things that came out of that that I think are beneficial for others as well some aha moments mm. so you're welcome to get the book and about that. One of them I can share is that I learned that I was performing. I had no idea, but I was writing a script for myself that I thought everybody else in the world was writing for me. And it took me a long time to get to the point when my counselor said, Renee, you're performing. And I'm like, no, I'm a real person. I hate drama. I'm not the performer you're telling me I am. <laughs> she didn't mean that kind of performer. Right, right. She was saying that I was, tr I'm a recovering people pleaser now. And mm -hmm. I think that we're always in recovery. Once an addict, always an addict. And we need there you to go. go towards those things. But if you feel like you're performing and you feel like you're just being who what everyone else wants you to be, then you got to get to a point where you realize that, okay, the person writing those scripts is actually you. Mm. I was the producer of the measuring up with Renee show. <laughs> like <laughs> it was all me because I'm the one that took those on and, and made them about myself. Mm. So that, that was one key point that helped me to realize that I needed to learn more about who I was and cut off some of what other, what I thought other people wanted of me. Okay. Great. That's, that will definitely speak to people. I have no doubts about that. Um, 
And just as an aside, listeners, because while I know that this particular show is aimed at men, I know that there are not only men who listen to this show, but I'm going to speak directly to the men because unfortunately, we tend to have a hard time dealing with things of the heart and emotions and that sort of thing. And for us to go to counseling is almost like pulling teeth. <laughs> Gentlemen, you are doing yourself a great disservice if you don't do that. Let me try and put it in vernacular that you may understand. Think of going to a counselor like regular maintenance on your car. If you don't maintain it, if you don't do regular maintenance on your car, little sounds become bigger and louder. Bigger and louder sounds become much more expensive. If you don't work on you, on improving you, in making sure that you're in a healthy and whole place in all areas of your life. You're there physically, you're there mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. If you're not working on those areas in your life, guess what? Those little weird feelings that you have or those little problems that you seem to be having all the time with everyone, they're not gonna go away. You're gonna get more of them and they're gonna be worse. So take some time, find a good therapist in your area. If you don't know how to do that, connect with me. And I will be able to help you figure out how to do that. And I bet you, if you really ask nicely, Renee would do the same thing for you. You know, what's neat is that you just referenced the car analogy. Mm. And that is something that was given to me to use throughout the entire book. Mm. So it is all on a car analogy. And literally what you just said is written right in those pages. Because we are very much our lives are like a car. Like we are focused, we're moving forward, we're going on our destination, especially men, especially <laughs> men. And I, this is not any kind of a dig because I'll tell you what, doing the research with my background and everything, I had men and women in my pilot group that were, that were working on this whole topic with me. Mm -hmm. And there were times where men would say, I'm not sure if I deal with this. So we'd go a little bit deeper, deeper and realize some of the words are different. So mm. men, if you don't like this word comparison, I get it. Like that's totally fine. That, that may not sound like something you deal with or struggle with, or it's like, oh, meh, no big deal. Start thinking of terms such as competitiveness. Mm. Think about some other things. These are sister words. When we get into the vernacular and semantics, you're going to realize more, especially if you're reading through measuring up that you look at the reviews on Amazon, many are from men that said, I had no idea that I dealt with this. And when it comes to counseling, you are so right, John. It has nothing to do with pride. It should not because it is that regular maintenance. It's something that when I feel like I'm just a little bit off, hey, what's safer than going to someone who doesn't have to know me, you know, like outside of the walls and like, I don't have to be embarrassed or anything. to be like, Hey, I just feel a little off and they can help me get back on track, back going straight forward toward my goals. And it's wonderful. It's actually great. I mean, honestly, man, wouldn't we do the same thing when it comes to like working out? It's mm -hmm. like, I know I've been off and I haven't been doing as much as I should, or I'm not doing it the right way anymore, you know, figure out ways to get back on track. And if you can't figure it out, you tend to hire people to help you figure that out, an expert in that area. So why not hire a therapist to help you? And Renee, you made an excellent point about the therapist that 
you, you just kind of hinted at, but is really, really good. And I think that's another fear for a lot of men. And that is finding someone trustworthy to go to. Many times men equate that with someone they already know. Mm. And that is a, a hesitation. It's like, I don't know that I want to reveal that much of me to somebody I know because I already know next week I'm going to a barbecue at this guy's house. No, so, thanks. <laughs> like, uh, no, not going to do that. I mean, <laughs> he already knows enough about me as it is. I don't need to reveal everything. So, you know, finding somebody that, you know, you do trust, but is somebody you don't personally know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, there's a good thing with that. That's really, really helpful. At least I have found that you can become close in that therapy relationship, but it stays there. As soon as you walk out, it's done. Exactly. And you don't have to think about that particular relationship again. That's a good point. All right. Well, we're, we're winding down here, but this show is called Relationships and Revenue. And so we do spend a lot of time emphasizing relationships and how to build those up first at home. And it talks about how, what of an impact it has on our work and business lives. Many of the folks who listen to this are entrepreneurs. And so I want to talk a little bit about that with you because you have a somewhat unique situation where you and your husband are both entrepreneurs and you happen to work together at home not just because of COVID. So um, talk to us a little bit about that. What is that dynamic like for the two of you? And how are you able to separate the two of those things, your home life with your kids and keeping it separate from your business? Yeah, that's a great question. Keeping business and personal separate. While I do believe that can be done to some degree, I'm going to be obviously I'm honest as always and say that it doesn't necessarily play out that way for me. So when I am running my side of the business with my husband, he's actually not as home as much as you might think. Mm. I'm doing more of the behind the scenes, the office work. Sometimes I'm doing showing. So I'll be out in the front line, but he's actually out there doing more of the um, hands-on stuff. So there's not, and he, he is also just like myself, a separate entrepreneur. He has his own business as well. So we, we do unite quite often when like we'll cross paths in the house and we help each other with the things that we need help with, but we don't have to be together all the time, which can be a great thing for relationships mm-hmm. as long as, um, as long as you are making that personal time too with the family. Yes. yes. So I would say that what has been helpful in my situation that hopefully can go beyond just my situation and be helpful for others is that I do set hours. I set times. I make sure that my kids know, and they're, like I said, teenagers right now, so they know that, okay, mom has interviews right now. And Mm -hmm. so do not open that office door because she's not going to be happy with you. So (laughs) there are those set times and parameters that I'm able to do with their ages. That was not always the case. There were times where business and personal never seemed separate and it was difficult. So we are at a better place now with that. I also take, and this is maybe not exactly what you asked, but it's very important to me to help with personal relationships. I take time for myself. I go out in the morning. 
and I either go for a walk, I take the dog, I drop my, one of my kids off at school. And then I take me time with nature personally, like prayer time, all of that. And that is important to relationships in my opinion, to put that first. So I do that first, then I come home and go to work. And that has worked out pretty well, except I did mention one other thing earlier. I mentioned my husband used to work all the time. He's a self-proclaimed workaholic. (laughs) So that does create some struggle sometimes where it's like, okay, we need to scale back. We need to make sure that we are taking that time and making some separations Mm -hmm. so that, and he's been doing an amazing job at that. So whether or not you're a spouse or a husband, um, if I can speak to the men for a minute, if that is you, I highly recommend making sure that you take time and And actually, maybe it's a lunch break. Maybe it's like, hey, be intentional. Like say, Mm -hmm. hey, let's go out and do something because relationships are hard. We all know that. They're not something that's just easy or else, you know, we'd have a much happier world, right? But (laughs) people together are difficult and especially living in the same home. So I would recommend making some space for that separation because that has not always been the case for me. And I have found that being great to make some of that separation space. Well, gentlemen, Renee is speaking our language here because you've heard me talk about this before. And so I'm going to say it again. I will use the word need. I don't use it often, but I will say that. What you need to do is to be the one in charge of the date, night, or date, day. The schedule meaning how often that happens, you and your significant other need to figure out because it's not the same for every couple. It just isn't. For some, it's once a week. Some, it's a few times a week. Some, it's every other week, once a month, whatever it happens to be. This is something that gets on your calendar and doesn't get moved at all. Um, Years ago, there were no electronic calendars. There were only paper calendars. And so the way I would have said it was, you write it in pen instead of pencil, so you can't erase it. It's on the calendar. It stays there. But I'm taking it a step further with you, gentlemen, saying this. This is something you own. Because my suspicion is that most of you, if date night or date day happens, your significant other is the one who's been doing it, has been planning it. She's tired of that. That's not her role. That's not her job. You own that now. That is your job. You take over, you figure out what you're doing, you figure out where you're going, and the only thing she has to do is show up and look beautiful. That's it, your job. That's all I'll say about that. (laughs) Well said, John, well said. Thank you, thank you. And that really wasn't even what I was intending to say. So, (laughs) (laughs) all right. So we have a final four that we're gonna get to here in just a second, but is there anything that you, anything else that we haven't talked about so far that you want to be sure to include or to share with the listeners and, or is there anything you'd like to promote? Honestly, I would like to say last minute and we kind of touched on it, but I just think it's so important that my motto is to be who you're created to be. So you can do what you're designed to do and win at life, making your impact on others. Mm. Here's the thing. We touched a lot on, we learned a little bit maybe about being who you're created to be, or at least we scratched the surface that doing what you're designed to do, that may or may not be something that you're doing right now. And that's okay. 
but I believe that first you have to figure out who you're created to be and you'll lean in more and you'll figure out more. And I know I've listened to some of John's former episodes and you talk a little bit about that. So I know that you can touch on that and you're a great coach, but that is so important that we are making sure to figure out what we're designed to do and not just doing things in the motion, not just because, <laughs> but being intentional because that who we're created to be is to make an impact on our world. We're not here just to live and die. Mm -hmm. So figuring what those things are out and then, and actually implementing them and learning how to implement, hold up, backtrack, implement them is very key to being able to win at life. So that's all I'll say. All right. Love that. Love the way you wrap that up for us, Renee. So now we're going to get to our final four, which are four quick questions just to give us some more insight into you and to talk about things that we haven't talked about so far. So here's question one. Why did God create Renee? Ooh, I like that. Why did God create Renee? God created me to be someone who is a connector, to be someone who cares and encourages others to be able to be who they're created to be and do what they're designed to do. So he's put me together in a way that has allowed me to have joy and fun and just being original and being authentic and helping others inspire others to be that version of themselves as well. So I think he, I think he did a pretty good job. I mean, I've just had a, that diamond in the rough. I've had to scrape a lot of yuck away and <laughs> still really more to go, but you know, he did a good job. It's just, I need to do a little bit more on my side. Okay. Love that. Love that. All right. Question two. What are you reading or listening to right now that's helping you grow? <laughs> oh, I have a funny answer. Okay. So I just finished my audio files for measuring up how to win in a world of comparison, which yes, I wrote. Here's what I'm learning. I'm actually learning for myself. Is that weird or what? No, like, that's fantastic. I love that. I, I know that uh, to me, it sounds so bogus and weird, but when I have to, when I had to read it out loud, say the words, honestly, this message is something that's so beyond me that I was learning from what I feel like God put in my hands to write down things that I hadn't even, I'm like, Whoa, Oh my gosh, I'm learning more from it. Nice. But, um, beyond that, because that has been my, mo my most recent, what I'm working on right now and in, right in the progress. So that's what comes to mind first. Um, I also have been reading a lot in, and again, like I said, I'm a, a person of faith. So the book of John and John 15 and learning how to love others, mm. you know, I've gotten to the point where I can kind of like love myself in a, in a good way, you know, not in a weird way, but, um, now it's like, okay, now that you've figured that out, now it's time to learn how to love others and learn how to do it right. And so I've been diving in deep into that and it's been really challenging. Nice. Okay. That sounds like a completely separate podcast episode all on its own. Oh yeah. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Question number three, what's your favorite thing to do with your family? Oh, we love to travel. We love to go places. Um, I would say everything from, it's just the new experiences. It's, it's building those memories together. And I know they love it too, but we've enjoyed going to, let's see, we've got to take them to Italy and a few other, you know, like around the U S finding really good deals, camping around the U S. So we have a little trailer thing that we can all fit in and it's, 
it's beautiful to be able to make those memories together and look back and realize, wow, this was, this was a trip that, um, that allows all of us to see more of who we are and, and build relationships. So we enjoy doing that. Oh, that is so good. That's something that I learned a few years ago that I really took hold of how important it is to create memories with my kids. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I try to, although it's harder now with none of my kids living close by anymore, um, to, to do that with them because, you know, how many kids remember last year's Christmas presents? Right. I mean, really, they don't, but they do remember the experiences they had with you and the memories that came as a result of that. So good. Yep. And not just because of the pictures you took. I mean, they tend to stick in the brain. So <laughs> yeah. Those, and those help too. I mean, the Facebook memories that pop up have been really helpful for me to just even rekindle those things mm -hmm. and go show them and say, Hey, looky here, this, and, and we all have fun and get to laugh over it. And um, so, yeah, I agree. It's a great memory builder. That's fantastic. All right. And to wrap it up with question number four, what are you most grateful for? Oh, I love living with gratitude. So it's hard to come up with just one. Um, well, I'd have I, to say I only said one, but you can have as many as you want. Okay. Okay. I would have to say, I, I mean, ultimately I'm most grateful for grace because I know I'm such, I'm a person that has messed up so much that unfortunately even holds on to other people sometimes and doesn't offer that same forgiveness or grace. Uh -huh. And the fact that I have been forgiven of so much that I, you know, that my savior Jesus has, has actually extended like his grace in his life for me. That is, that is what I'm most grateful for because I cannot imagine life. I cannot imagine life without that. Like I just, that heavy burden, there's just no way. So that would be the utmost top thing I'm grateful for. Well, Renee, thank you very much for sharing just a little bit about you and how you got to where you are now, telling us about your fantastic new book. Um, and again, remind the listeners the title of your book. Ah, yes. It's Measuring Up, How to Win in a World of Comparison. And folks, you can find that directly on Amazon. It's very easy to get to right now. You can get it in paperback and hardback both and soon audio version. Correct. We're definitely looking forward to that. Uh, and listeners, thank you for tuning in today. So glad you took some time to be with us and we will see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you so much. Sean. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlin. Thanks again for listening. And remember, passion gets you started. Purpose keeps you going. Have a great day and we'll see you next time. Bye.